This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. We're just days away from the start of the Pan Am and Para Pan Am Games here in Toronto, and one Canadian has made it his life mission to promote and celebrate disabled athletes. Today, I'll be joined by the man in motion, Rick Hansen. Plus, how many times have you tried to make a major lifestyle change, take on a new diet, a new exercise regime, become more focused and productive at work? It can be tough to stick with it, but best-selling author Gretchen Rubin says the trick is to form little helpful habits. She'll explain in just a few minutes. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. People that I met couldn't get out, and they were looking of ways of at least getting their children out. He was a humanitarian who saved 669 Jewish children from the Holocaust. Sir Nicholas Winton passed away this week at the age of 106. It was only after Mr. Winton's wife found a scrapbook in the attic of their home in 1988 that he spoke of his all-but-forgotten work rescuing children who were destined for Nazi concentration camps and extermination. On a holiday to Czechoslovakia shortly before the war broke out, Nicholas saw the fear and desperation of local Jews as they watched what was happening in neighboring Germany. He decided to do something about it, and out of a hotel room in Wenceslas Square, he started a refugee operation. He returned to England and brought together a team of people that commissioned trains to take children to England, persuaded the Home Office to let them in, found families to host the children, and even forged complex paperwork necessary for both countries. Half a century later, when his story became public, he was honoured both in England, where he was knighted by the Queen, and in the Czech Republic, where he is considered a hero. (music) Nearly half of currently retired Canadians were forced into their retirement earlier than they would have liked, and that is according to a new survey conducted by the Angus Reid Institute. The Institute targeted the survey towards two groups, those who are retired and those who aren't. A total of 48% of the retired respondents said they retired early due to circumstances beyond their control. 27% of those people also said they now struggle to make ends meet. And half of those retired respondents also said they were worried about outliving their savings. 72% of the working respondents say they expect to work into their 60s. A new report about antibiotic use in Ontario nursing homes has found that some homes prescribe antibiotics far more than others, which can lead to all residents facing an increased risk of infections like C. difficile. That's because prescribing the drugs inappropriately increases the risk of medication reactions, allergies, diarrhea, and infections by antibiotic-resistant bacteria. 
The study's author, Dr. Nick Dainman, says the findings underscore the need for better use of antibiotics in such facilities. The full results of the study are published in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine. And finally, our congratulations go out to Gunhild Swanson, a 70-year-old runner who finished a grueling 100.2-mile race just six seconds before the 30-hour cutoff time. Gunhild has become the oldest woman to ever finish the Western States 100, which runs from Squaw Valley, California to Auburn, California. Runners must complete the trail in less than 30 hours to be considered official finishers. The Washington State native completed the race with a time of 29 hours, 59 minutes, and 54 seconds. This year, 371 people entered the Uber Marathon, but only 254 were able to finish. Gunhild was greeted at the finish line by her son and grandson. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you want to do something good for yourself, like losing weight, exercising, or getting more sleep? According to best-selling author Gretchen Rubin, the answer is to make it a habit. In her latest book, she mines exhaustive research to lay out a step-by-step approach on how to do just that. Gretchen Rubin dropped by our studios when she was in town to talk about better than before. Research suggests that about 40% of everyday life is shaped by our habits. So habits are like the invisible architecture of our everyday existence. And so if we can get those habits working for us, we're just going to be a lot better off than if we have habits that don't work for us. There's been research that shows that when it comes to having willpower for things, there's a kind of a limited store of it. Uh So how do habits play into that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And I think this is something that we've all experienced, right, which is, you know, I remember sitting through a a meeting for two hours and not eating a cookie and then grabbing one on my way out because uh, my willpower had been depleted. One of the reasons that habits are energizing and freeing is that they get us out of the business of having to use our self-control or our willpower. I don't decide to get up at 6 a.m. I don't decide to skip dessert. I don't decide to wear my seatbelt. I've made those decisions long ago. Those are behaviors that are on automatic pilot. They're habits, so they don't take any willpower whatsoever. Sometimes you can have a habit for a long time and then suddenly it's gone. That's a big thing that happens often is that people are traveling, getting sick, going on vacation, and then you sort of – then you don't get back in. So if that's a pattern that you're noticing, one of the things that's really helpful – Um, is to worry about finish lines or any kind of stopping. Because if you stop something, it can be very hard to start up again. So let's say you've been faithfully going to the gym and then you're going to travel. So you want to say, you want to look at your calendar and say, I'm going to go back to the gym on this date at this time. I know I'm going to put it in my calendar. I'm going to schedule it in. That's the strategy of scheduling. So I'm not stopping. Maybe I have to take a break because I'm going to be gone. But the minute I'm back, I'm getting right back into the habit that I had started. Because often also what happens with something like exercise is if you feel like you've been backsliding, like if you feel like you've lost ground, or if you feel like, oh, I was in this class and the instructor is going to be disappointed with me because I haven't been coming, that can also make you not want to pick up the habit again. So you want to be very clear with yourself about if something's going to interrupt you, what's your plan for what, when you're going to get back into it. Now, you say that in order to establish or to keep good habits, you have to understand what type of a person you yes. are. What makes that difficult and what are the choices? So I divide all of humanity into four categories. 
upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. And it has to do with how you deal with an expectation, an outer expectation like a work deadline or an inner expectation like your own desire to keep a New Year's resolution. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations alike. They meet a work deadline. They keep a New Year's resolution without much fuss. Questioners question all expectations. They want to know the reasons why. They hate anything arbitrary or irrational or unfair or inefficient. Um, So they make everything an inner expectation because they'll do it if they think it makes sense. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So a friend of mine said she never had trouble running when she was on a track team, when she had a coach and a team, but she can't go running on the weekends now because she's just expecting it of herself. And I have to say that's the largest tendency, obligers. And then there's rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, in their own way. If you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to do the opposite. So I'm yeah. a questioner. You're a questioner, okay. And I, I, I know exactly why I should go to the gym. Right. Uh, so it's it's to prevent injuries so okay. I can keep doing what I really like to do. So, right. so how do I get myself to do so it? So if you're a questioner, I would attack it by with justification and efficiency and rationale. So you really want to understand why are you doing this particular workout? Why is this the most efficient thing for you to be doing? Why is this the thing that's going to make the most sense? Questioners, they hate to wait in line. They hate anything that wastes time or energy. So have you dialed in on the thing? Like maybe there's something about your gym where you have to wait for a machine or you feel like you're losing time. Think about how to go to it through your questioner nature. I've identified 21 strategies that people can use to make what a What are some of the others? So one is um, monitoring. Most people do much better if they just pay attention to how much they're doing something. So you might keep a chart or use some app or some checklist. How many times are you actually going to the gym? Scheduling. Actually put it on your calendar. Know exactly when you're going to go. Don't leave it. Don't say tomorrow. Say exactly what time. Other people. um, How are the people around you affecting you? Are they making it easier for you to go to the gym? Are they being kind of sabotaging about you going to the gym? Um, Convenience and inconvenience. These are super powerful. We're much more likely to keep a habit if it's convenient. We're much less likely to do a behavior if it's inconvenient. So you want to do anything you possibly can to make it as easy as possible possible to go to the gym and make it very inconvenient not to go to the gym. Um, You want to – pairing is something that often works. Pairing is when you pair a behavior of something that you want to get yourself to do with something that you love to do or that you – must do. So, for instance, what works for a lot of people about going to the gym is they watch some television show that they love only when they're on the treadmill or the stationary bike or whatever. So if you want to watch Game of Thrones, you got to be on the treadmill. Those things are paired. They never, they, they're never separate. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different strategies. And a lot of times when there's an important strategy that a person's trying to change, they might use four or five strategies all at once to try to shape that particular habit. Okay, Gretchen Rubin, thanks so much. Thank you. Better Than Before is published by Doubleday Canada. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break, and then it's back for an inspirational interview with the man in motion, Rick Hansen. With the Pan Am Games about to begin, I sat down with one of Canada's most iconic sports heroes. Rick Hansen is most famous for his Man in Motion tour, which was instrumental in changing our view of Paralympians and of ability and disability in general. 
I went backstage to chat with Rick when he was here for Idea City, and I began by asking him about the surprising quote he put in our Idea City conference book. In the book, you actually, in our book, you actually say that the accident which Mm -hmm. left you in a wheelchair was actually the best thing that ever happened to you. Absolutely. That was, uh, that was the, actually the outcome of, uh, of that encouragement to keep going and to realize that this would be uh, one of the greatest things because uh, you, know, uh, you uh, learn early on in your life that you know, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with it. It's uh, asking the important questions early on about uh, what is important. Is it the use of your legs or is it uh, about love, about meaning, about purpose, about being able to live a good life and, and ultimately uh, try to make it difference and the accident became the uh, you know the, the proving ground it became the the disability became you know the you know the mill for me to uh, to refine my character to talk about my values and to reflect my actions and to uh, to truly uh, live and lead a better life and I would never trade it today for the use of my legs well how did that happen and uh, how long did it take for that? You know, it wasn't overnight, and it, you know, it truly took a, a number of years of, uh, of hard work. As a matter of fact, back in those early days, I probably would have sold my soul for the use of my legs. I wanted it all back. It had been ripped from me, and I had to start looking at what was causing most of my pain through the trauma that I experienced. And most of it was, uh, first of all, my attitude and the stigmas that I had had about disability. Um, I saw, you know, the wheelchair as a symbol of confinement. I saw, you know, uh, that if I couldn't use my legs, um, that I would be uh, completely dependent on others and have no future. And so I then needed to not only shift my own attitude, but I also needed to have a greater sense of awareness of what was possible. And I needed the exposure to role models and others who could paint a beautiful canvas of uh, hope and possibility so that I could actually replace my old attitudes with some new possibilities and then start to craft the life that I still wanted to lead, which was to to be an athlete, to uh, express my hopes and dreams, and then to uh, to be a husband, a father, to to actually be a leader in my community and and try to make a difference. And all those all those things came as a result of uh, seeing uh, new beautiful colors of possibility, and that came through inspiration and role models and people who helped me not give up on myself. You're best known for the Man in Motion. Yeah, yeah, man in motion. As the man in motion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and of course, that's largely because, uh, you know, having benefited uh, by so many people throughout my life's journey as a Paralympic athlete, uh, I decided to pay it forward. And, uh, you know, I, I learned about barriers that were out there everywhere, mine, others of me and others who had disabilities, physical barriers that kept us from getting engaged. And didn't need to be there and I wanted to I wanted to do something positive I wanted to help out to wheel around the world and to show the potential of people with disabilities if barriers were removed and and so I decided to you know to do the man in motion world tour and and then of course that was punctuated by David Foster and John Parr and their song uh, St. Elmo's Fire Man in Motion and and ultimately through the incredible response in countries around the world and in Canada so uh, it was a uh, it was uh, an amazing challenge and and journey and and it started me on a path not just for a singular event, but a life mission. Uh, yes, and we are about to have the Pan Am Games here in Toronto, and after that, the Para Pan Am Games. So just looking at that, how far do you think we've come in acceptance of disability since 
you had your accident. Well, you know, I participated in the Para Pan Am Games in 1982 in Halifax. It was a breakout games for me and won uh, nine uh, gold medals and really set me on the pathway to feel that I could actually, you know, uh, be the best I could be. And, and of course, there were no Pan Am, Para Pan Am Games together back then. Everything was segregated. And, you know, to see Ontario host and Canada host the Pan Am and Para Pan Am Games, you know, two events inside one games, one class of people in an inclusive uh, society is a dream come true. Sport is a reflection of how society views itself. It's a mirror that reflects back our values. And and to to see athletes with disabilities be recognized as athletes and to see people with disabilities be involved in all aspects of the games and to really invite the world to our country that's becoming more and more accessible and inclusive, this is a, this is a great moment. And, uh, and it helps us shine a light on where we're at in this ultra marathon of social change and it also helps us to be galvanized to still do more work because we've come a long way but we truly have a long way to go and so what are the next things we have to do to make the world accessible you know, there's 1.3 billion people on the planet living with disabilities today. And if you think about it, there's also uh, aging baby boomers who essentially will have many disabling conditions and their attitudes and the barriers that they face and, uh, and the ability for them to be contributing to our society will help drive not just the charitable movement, not just the human rights movement, but also a new economic movement where, where ultimately uh, the, you know, the business community can actually embrace disability. Okay, Rick Hansen, thanks so much. Thank you, I really appreciate it. That was Man in Motion Paralympian Rick Hansen, and the opening ceremonies for the Pan Am Games begin Friday, July 10th. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Rocker Robbie Robertson turns 72 this weekend. In just a moment, we'll hear some of his sensational songwriting. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, he hung out with the who's who of Paris and London at the turn of the 20th century. American artist John Singer Sargent is celebrated in an exhibition at the Met. The exhibit focuses on the famous friends of the celebrated painter, including legendary impressionist Claude Monet and Shakespearean actress Ellen Terry. In Los Angeles, Murder for Two features the original New York cast members who put the laughter in manslaughter. I'm so glad to have a friend like you. Okay, I'll tell ya. Glad to have a Murder for Two like is you. at the Geffen Playhouse. And in London, England, one of the funniest plays in the English language is on stage. The Importance of Being Earnest by the great Oscar Wilde is at the Vaudeville Theater. David Suchet plays the part of Lady Bracknell. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This weekend, Robbie Robertson, the iconic Canadian rock star, is celebrating his 72nd birthday. Robertson is best known for his role as lead guitarist and primary songwriter with the band. He's credited with such classics as The Weight, Up on Cripple Creek, Rag Mama Rag, Stage Fright, and The Shape I'm In. The band has been inducted to both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. 
Robertson is also a member of the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and he was named 59th on Rolling Stone magazine's list of top 100 guitarists. Right now, we'll hear an example of Robbie Robertson's exquisite songwriting. It's a story about the last days of the American Civil War told from the perspective of a Confederate soldier. Here is the band with the night they drove old Dixie down. That was the band with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Lead guitarist and songwriter Robbie Robertson celebrated his 72nd birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Bandrill. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.